Welcome to Responder Resilience. Glad to have you with us. And today we have a, an amazing show with two, I would say, brilliant uh, people who are in the world of therapy and support for first responders. And uh, look forward to bringing them on in a second, right after this. We invite you to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Responder Resilience. We're also on Facebook, Responder Wellness Inc., bbsradio.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and our website is respondertv.com. In this family, more of us die by our own hands than by the hazards of the job. In this family, up to a quarter of 911 dispatchers have symptoms of PTSD. In this family, our mental health and wellness are in crisis while responders are quietly suffering. In this family, many struggle with job-related stress, burnout, trauma, sleep disruption, substance abuse, and marriage problems. In this family, we can help the helpers with vital information and resources, resilient strategies, and success stories of overcoming the obstacles. In this family, no one is alone. Welcome to Responder Resilience with co-hosts, retired Lieutenant David Dashinger, Dr. Stacy Raymond, and Bonnie Wimley, LCSW EMTB. Very happy to welcome Stacy and Bonnie, who are my co-hosts and um, also the inspiration for this show. So let's bring them on and talk about uh, today's topic. Welcome, Stacy and Bonnie. Hi, David. Hi, David. Thanks for having us. Uh, well, it's a pleasure. And today we're going to talk about EMDR, which is something that um, there's a buzz about in certain circles of first responders who know about it, who've maybe participated in it, had some results with it. And we're going to kind of deep dive into what it is, how it works what it can do, and uh, how to access it. So, um, you know, I'll start off the conversation by saying, you know, what is EMDR and how does it work? So EMDR is not the catchiest name around, um, and we joke about that in our therapy world. Uh, but it stands for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. So it's a type of therapy that Stacey and I are trained in, and it really gets to trauma that's been stored not only in the body but in the brain. And that's what we have learned over time is that trauma stores itself in both places. So by doing EMDR therapy with people, it's a way to release the trauma and help them process the material that the brain was not able to process during or after the event. Is that something that happens quickly? What, like, what's the time frame somebody starts therapy for some kind of trauma? So what we usually say is if there's a, um, you know, one-time trauma, let's say a car accident or um, a bad call for a first responder, uh, that it would take maybe three EMDR sessions. Um, with something like uh, childhood abuse, it usually takes much longer because the, the person was younger. And in many cases, the trauma happened uh, over a period of time and it was repeated. So it's it's... Even though we get that question quite a bit, how long is this going to take? It really does depend on, you know, if there was any childhood trauma, how long the first responder was, um, you know, in service, what types of trauma did they did they experience? Um, but I would say this, it is a lot faster than talk therapy. Um, and what I quote people is, 
it takes about uh, one third the time. So talk therapy takes about three times longer in my experience uh, than um, in EMDR. So I think the thing that we love about it is that it gets results very quickly. You know, we can have a first responder come in and do one EMDR session with us. That's 49 minutes long and we have results already. They're leaving our office mm-hmm. feeling better. You know, they may not be able to put their finger on it, but they say, I feel lighter. I feel like that weight has been lifted off my chest or my shoulders a little bit. And then we build on that. And every time they come in, we do a little bit more and a little bit more. And it really does move that quickly. And it's it's measurable, too, because um, usually when you start working on a traumatic memory you, you're going to ask, um, all right, what is the feeling that goes, when you go to the worst part of that uh, memory, what's the emotion that you have um, as you focus on that memory? And then where do you feel it in your body? Give it a number from one to 10. Hmm. Let's say the emotion was um, here. Um, what's on a scale of one to 10 with 10 being the worst fear that you've ever felt. How about that? particular memory? Where does it, where do you gauge that right now? And as you're sitting with me, how intense is the fear? And um, usually by the end of the first session, if the person, let's say, they, they say, well, I, I feel like it's at an eight. Um, it's, it, they're going, it's after processing for um, an, an entire session, it's definitely going to feel a lot lower. So maybe they, they get it down to a five or a four. And so it's gratifying for both the therapist and the client because um, they know that they've you know, they feel lighter and progress has been made. And so we like it for that reason in that within one session, you now have the hope that um, this can get better. You may not have that with talk therapy. Sometimes with talk therapy, just talking about a traumatic incident um, really stirs the pot and, and the person feels even more riled up. So that's what I like about EMDR therapy. It's um, from personal experience, I can say that um, I was able to see fast results. And more importantly, it was the kind of thing where some of the traumatic events that had a charge for me, like recurring memories, or every time I would think about the particular call that I did or particular childhood memory, it always had the same kind of negative energetic charge. After EMDR, if I think about it, it's almost like, you know, was no big deal. Um, it really seems to diffuse all that all that um, attachment we have that, to that event, whether it was recent or, or further back in our past. Mm-hmm. So what happened and what you're describing, David, is when people go through a traumatic event or incident, usually what gets stored with the trauma is a negative belief about self. So a lot of what we do as therapists when we do our assessment of first responders is figuring out why did this particular call stick with you? And often it'll be a personal experience. It'll be something that relates to something that maybe you had gone through in your own childhood. And it sticks with people as a negative belief, like I'm helpless or I don't mean anything or I'm not good enough. You know, I'm a failure. Those are very, very common ones to first responders. Right. So once we assess them and unlock what the negative belief is that's tied to the trauma, we work on that negative belief. And that's where we see the shift happen. Um, I think the other amazing thing is that we have a protocol that we're trained in called the recent traumatic event protocol, RTEP. 
And we tell all of our first responders about it because it is designed to treat a recent event. So if you had a bad call yesterday or a week ago and you come to Stacy or I, we can work on that immediately and catch it before it goes on into your long-term memory bank, which is around the 60-day mark. So what's amazing is not only are we clearing the past, but we now have tools to use um, for things that have just happened before it ever gets to the symptom phase that you're talking about with nightmares and difficulty sleeping, intrusive thoughts, hypervigilance, flashbacks. Um, you know, all the things we see in Hollywood are, are the things that we see hmm. in our office. Mm -hmm. And what most people will call PTSD, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder, as Bonnie and I like to refer to it as post-traumatic stress injury, um, because of what trauma does to the brain, um, the brain really can't function normally. Um, so that's really important to inform first responders about, because they may come away from an incident and they're having all of these symptoms, well, what's wrong with me? Um, you know, when their brain is really just having a normal response to, uh, you know, an unusual or really traumatic situation. And first responders are facing those types of situations way more than the general public. So um, I think that's something, too, that we strive to do as trauma therapists is psychoeducating our first responders as to all of these feelings, thoughts that you have in the moment of that call or after are normal. Mm -hmm. They are normal responses for an abnormal situation. Um, and first responders face that every day and accrue much, much more of it than your average person or civilian will in a lifetime. Yeah, that's something that um, it's almost like layering trauma on top of trauma on a shift by shift basis and it's um i would think it's almost like peeling the onion to try to get through some of those layers of trauma to allow people to have a more healthy normal life maybe be able to do their job better without having the side effects of sleep problems emotional distress anxiety is that because the you know the traumas you know the incidents that you know first responders are exposed to it's it's cumulative Right. We talk about um, the closet in the mind, you know, where stuff gets tucked away. Mm -hmm. it, it gets full. And at some point, the, the individual, um, you know, can only take so much. And when you have sleep deprivation on top of that, and perhaps uh, maybe there's a little substance use going on in order to to tamp down the intensity of those symptoms, those memories, those feelings that are coming up, the agitated body, you know, the hypervigilance, the hyperarousal, it's it's like a perfect storm eventually. And and that's why PTSI can can just seemingly come out of the blue, you know, where the person the first responder says, I've done ten of these types of calls. Why this one? Why why is it that this one sent me over the edge? Now I can't sleep. Now all I want to do is drink. I keep having, you know, these intrusive thoughts and um, having nightmares. Why? Why did that happen? And then they'll often blame themselves. Like, am I not man enough? Am I too weak? Is there something about me where I couldn't handle it? I should be able to handle it. Well, it's a process. And, you know, the the body mind can only handle so much. And so it, it sort of, it, 
it, we encourage first responders to don't wait. Don't wait until you have a drinking problem or you have full-blown post-traumatic stress injury mm-hmm. to get help. I think the other thing, David, is that um, a lot of what we see, there will be on-the-job traumas or bad calls, but we see a lot of early childhood attachment trauma, abandonment, Um, We see that a lot of people come to jobs in the first responder world with past traumas. And oftentimes it's that cumulative trauma that builds up inside a person. And then one day, lo and behold, they're at their job in a high stress situation. And that call may be the one that breaks the camel's back. Mm -hmm. Our mission at Responder Wellness Inc. is to subsidize or provide free of charge safety equipment and wellness services to first responders, including police officers, firefighters, EMS personnel, and 911 operators throughout Connecticut. Resources include scholarships to train new EMTs, a responder and veteran-only AA group in Danbury, Connecticut, as well as police vests, a fire and EMS boot program, yoga classes, gym memberships, and t-shirts. The founder of Responder Wellness, Inc. co-leads a peer support group sponsored by Fairfield County Trauma Response Team. Responder Wellness, Inc. is a nonprofit 501c3. Find us on the web at responderwellness.org, on Facebook at Responder Wellness, Inc., or email us, responderwellness at gmail.com. Responder Wellness, Inc., putting responders first. Some people tell us or ask us, is this voodoo? Like, what are you doing in my brain? Or some people will be scared to get EMDR because they think they're going to lose their cutting edge, Mm -hmm. whether it's clinical or tactical. Um, And we tell people it's the opposite. Um, You're not losing anything. You're taking something that's supercharged up and we're taking that situation, processing it. You will always recall that situation. You can always conjure up an image, but the difference is that you won't have the feelings of disturbance that you have when you first look at that memory. And that's what we're going for. We're not trying to erase it, but we're trying to erase the symptoms that get tied to it. Great. I I remember the first time I heard of this, um, I believe the two of you made a presentation at the department where I worked and showed a video clip of a veteran who um, was severely traumatized from being deployed in um, in the Middle East and what are some of the what are some of the success stories or some of the validations that EMDR has had through um, different organizations so um, it's endorsed internationally. It's taught internationally. Um, the EMDR was pretty much, um, it came into being in 1987. Uh, the founder, Francine Shapiro, um, came up with the protocol. And then it pretty much moved from California, which is where she was a graduate student when she discovered it um, and actually wrote her dissertation on it. Um, and it moved across the country um, and now it's on the East Coast and it's throughout the world. So uh, the APA, the American Psychiatric Association, SAMHSA, which is Substance Abuse uh, Mental Health Association, um, the Department of Defense, the VA administration, of course, they're using it with, um, you know, the, the um, active and retired military that have been exposed to combat. 
Um, so it, and there's, a, there's a, an enormous amount of research that supports um, the efficacy of, of EMDR and they've compared it to other forms of therapy. And when it comes to trauma, um, EMDR is, is tremendously effective and it doesn't take as long as um, the other therapies, which are talk therapies. Um, talk therapy, you're really, you're, you're approaching the problem from the cortex down. And what I find with EMDR is that it takes it further. It's a bottom up approach. We ask, where do you, what's the emotion that goes with that bad memory? Where do you feel in your body? Give it a number. Then we ask, you know, what's the negative belief that goes along with that? With first responders, it's often, I didn't get there fast enough, or I didn't mm-hmm. save the person. They, you know, they died. Um, so it's it's a bottom-up approach. It really incorporates the body, and so the trauma is released from the body. I found, having done talk therapy many years before learning EMDR, that it, there, it just wasn't complete. There was still something left. There was a residual tension or something that was left over, and I find EMDR takes care of both the, you know, the physical symptoms and also the, the negative beliefs that, that are um, that the person holds on to because of the trauma. You know, when 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 the trauma happens, you're in fight or flight, and whatever emotion you're feeling, whatever you're seeing, smelling, tasting, touching, um, thinking at the time of that trauma, it's almost like it gets seared on your your brain. Like it's almost like you, it gets branded on your brain and it gets stored in the limbic system, which is the survival part of the brain, the fight or flight part of the brain. And with EMDR, what we end up doing is take the charge out of it, desensitize it. So eye movement, desensitization, bring the charge down and then reprocessing. It then goes from the limbic system, the survival emotional part of the brain, and it gets filed in the cortex as, Oh, it was just a, a bad call and it's over now. Everything's okay. I did the best I could, but the, the, the client arrives at that on their own. And the process in which that happens is really interesting because as the therapist, we're guiding people through their therapy. We're not fixing the brain, but we're helping the brain to heal itself. So what we do with EMDR is we're externally stimulating both sides of the brain, both hemispheres, and it's through the stimulation of both sides that mimics rapid eye movement sleep. So when we're sleeping at night, our eyes dart back and forth in our head, and we process everything from the day. So when we do EMDR with people, we really are mimicking that process. And when we stimulate both sides of the brain, we do it either with something called tappers. So I have a machine here that's called tappers. Someone will hold each side of the tapper in each hand. And with having their hands separated. Yeah, like this. So if I'm a client, I'm just sitting comfortably. My hands are probably in my lap and we're about to do some processing. So I'm focusing, I would be focusing as the client, I would be focusing on the worst part of that call. Mm-hmm. And I've already told Bonnie what I feel, what's the emotion, where do I feel in my body, how intense is it on a scale of one to 10, and what the negative belief is that I'm having about myself as I think about that trauma. And then she's going to... So I would put the tappers on, and right now what the tappers are doing... They're buzzing. They're vibrating in both sides of in her hands. And what that's doing is creating movement between her left brain and her right brain. 
And it's through that movement that the information gets processed. So we do that with tappers. Um, some therapists have a light bar, which clients will trace lights. Some of us just use eye movement with our fingers like this. Um, with the advent of Zoom, we've got different apps we can use with balls across the screen and all kinds of things. But what we're really doing is helping the brain heal itself. Really activating a natural mechanism that exists already in, in everyone's mind because of that, uh, you know, REM sleep, REM, rapid eye movement sleep, you know, that mechanism already exists in the brain. And so we're really just catalyzing we're sort of just tapping into that while that memory network is open. And that, that's also why the, the healing happens so quickly. So it's like a laser focused therapy, if, you, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Don't think the moon. It goes on. Just touching back on what you said about talk therapy, I, I would venture to say that talk therapy is getting very wrapped up in the story and telling the story, whereas EMDR is much more about how it felt, how it felt or feels in your body, um, which is a totally different concept. And um, you know, it's, it gets it out of the being in the mind all the time, but into like mind body type of. Um, exploration and release of whatever that's whatever you're holding on to mm -hmm. and then having said that we both do talk therapy you know every trauma therapist does talk therapy as well it's a crucial part of assessing and you know sometimes people come in and they say i just want to talk today mm -hmm. and that's okay right. you know but we love for first responders especially they want results they're used to getting results at work you know they walk into a situation in panic mode and they make that situation better so this is our way of doing that for them. And I think that's why we're speaking their language. We're doing it quickly and it resonates. Yes. And since you brought it up, Bonnie, um, in terms of first responders, tell us a little bit about, you know, how how do you um, go from working with a dispatcher to an animal control officer to a police officer to a firefighter to a paramedic? Like, how does that all uh, what's the chemistry involved? Well, you really have to understand the cultures that you're working with, right? And that's what we learn in therapist school 101, whether you're a psychologist, social worker, LPC. Um, so for us, having a specialty in first responders means understanding what each branch of that world means. You know, you mentioned corrections, you mentioned dispatch, police, fire, EMS, animal control. These are all people. Um, and we get into FBI, CIA. There are so many different branches, um, and we have to recognize the differences between those branches as well. So as much as we're talking today about the generalisms of first responders, there are very nuanced things in each of those cultures as well. And so we are constantly learning and thriving to learn more and more and more about what people face. And 
through the Fairfield County Trauma Response Team, Stacy and I run a weekly support group. It's peer support, uh, which we really, really believe in that model for first responders. And through that group, we're really able to educate ourselves, but the members who attend educate each other on what they're doing at work and what they face and what their feelings are. So one thing that comes to mind um, that I've noticed working with, you know, fire, EMS, police, um, in particular, the EMTs and the paramedics, um, what they see and what they have their hands in on. Um, I always use eye movements for them because what's most difficult is for them to not see, to stop seeing or having intrusive images of that accident that, you know, whatever the case may be, if it was a car accident or a burn victim, um, you know, the visual really is, is, uh, what sticks for them. And so I always pull up a chair and I, I know, so if we do it like this, I do eye movements with them. Um, because what I have found is that in some cases with the visual trauma, the, the tappers don't really loosen up the, you know, the, uh, the images. So I don't know if that helps to hear that they're, you know, that's how um, two of the services, or three of the, one of the services differs from the other. So is with the visual trauma. Yeah, that's, that's super important. I think um, we've heard sometimes it's more than visual. It could just be a smell. It could be a sound uh the the texture of something um that someone encounters in a normal everyday situation can trigger or activate the memory of a you know particularly traumatic call absolutely you know the um certain smells will especially with firefighters um you know it kind of stays with them the you know the sensation of um blood on the hands Mm -hmm. I think for firefighters too, you know, they're, they're going into scenes that are hazmat related. They get called to smell of gas in the area or smell of chemicals. Um, you know, when they get onto a car scene, an accident scene, they're smelling the gasoline or the oil. So our brain as a primitive way of survival actually stores smell first. It's our first sense that the brain uses. So it's no surprise that you're putting people on a scene and that is the first thing that they're going to take in because in that moment they're in fight or flight mode and their brain is looking for the dangers. Um, so it's not just looking at the dangers for the people that you're treating or the scene that you're treating, but it's for yourself. Um, so I think smells is a, a very big one for firemen in particular. Um, I think something that we see with police sometimes is just that fear of walking up to a car that they've stopped in the middle of the night and who's going to roll down that window and what's going to happen. Um, they talk to us a lot about the fear and how to walk in those situations. Um, so there are many nuances, I think, with all. And then you think of dispatchers who are often forgotten about, uh, which is very, very sad for us, and we're trying to change that. Mm -hmm. um, but you think of dispatchers, they're sitting with a phone in one ear or a headset, and they are listening to all of this crisis ensuing in the background, sometimes screaming, yelling, mm -hmm. panic. And they are left to translate that into being calm, getting all the resources that are necessary there, 
um, in some situations, coaching and walking the family through what they need to do through the telephone. So they're calming other people down over the phone. Um, and they're left with not images, but their brains are trying to conjure up an image of what the scene might look like. Mm-hmm. And they will never know, but they know what's in their own mind. Um, and then they hang up and there's no time to process and another call comes in. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we think about that a lot. I think we think with fire and EMS largely, unless paramedics are in a fly car and they're solo in a region, um, they get to go back with their crew. You know, you're in the truck or the rig and you go back to your headquarters or your station and you're around a table, you talk to each other, you process things. Um, But police often have that very different. You know, for that officer who goes on a bad call at 2 a.m., he's going back into his cruiser and everybody else is going away. And he's left in that cruiser now for the next five hours to think about what happened. Um, So there are also different kind of natural coping mechanisms in each branch that impact um, what people have to sit with alone versus what they can share with their fellow colleagues. That's an amazing Mm -hmm. perspective. I unloaded 32 years of emotion. This job isn't a joke and it can hurt you. How does yoga or meditation help with that? Coming to terms with who you are. You know, nobody calls us because they're having a good day. It's really the suicide that becomes a huge issue. People are more trustworthy with the dog. Sleep deprivation helps them either be better or worse. Completely secretive when we started this. So it's pretty much taboo. Take care of the people next to you. First responders really being open about what they're struggling with. If we know that, let's raise awareness. Brings you together to talk about it, and it tells you you're not alone. Fairfield County Trauma Response Team is a nonprofit alliance of mental health professionals dedicated to helping first responders heal from trauma, tragedy, and stress. We help as they manage community crises and the everyday demands of ensuring public health and safety. Established in 2011, FCTRT was formed in response to a call for emotional help from the Stamford Fire Department after a traumatic fatal fire. Less than a year later, the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting occurred, and members again served the first responder community. Most recently, COVID-19 created a need for our support. We provide free educational presentations, pro bono sessions to deal with community disasters, and an extensive referral service to trauma-informed psychotherapists. If you're a responder in Fairfield County and need help dealing with duty-related stress, please reach out to us so you can continue to do the job you love. Visit our website at fctrt.org or find us on Instagram at Fairfield County TRT. Tell us a little bit about how people can find you or find an EMDR therapist. So we, there are a few ways, but we belong to a wonderful organization called Emdria, and they have an internal website, emdria.org. And you can click the tab that says find a therapist, and it will connect you with EMDR therapists all over the country and world because it's international association. Um, so anyone who is certified in EMDR, which means you go through the training and you do many hours of supervision, um, anyone certified will be on that website. Um, 
So even just doing a Google search in your area of EMDR trained therapists, you can also search for the Fairfield County Trauma Response Team. We have about two dozen therapists all over Fairfield County who treat and specialize in first responders. And then for anybody who's listening um, outside of the Fairfield County um, area, then you could go to Psychology Today and filter for the type of therapy. You could filter for your zip code, for your insurance, and you could put in, you can pick EMDR as your type of therapy. And then those therapists that are trained in that, the profiles will come up. Um, there's another website in Connecticut in particular. So it's, um, it's ConnecticutEMDRTherapist.com. So therapists with an S at the end of it, .com. And everyone on that list is trained in, in EMDR. And it's, it goes by, you know, um, you could look it up. You can find a therapist by town. You can find a therapist by insurance. And, so. and I take it one step further. Um, if you're calling EMDR therapists as a first responder, I would ask, have you ever worked with first responders or do you oh, yeah, work with true. first responders? Because right. um, it's very, very important that people understand your culture and what's happening and to be able to handle the subject matter that you're going to be bringing into a therapy office with you. Well, this has been amazing to cover this topic with you because um, you are both rock stars in this and so many other areas. Uh, just wanted to thank you both for all that you do for first responders and for sharing this information with us today. Um, so how can people get in touch with you individually? So you can get in touch with me through the Fairfield County Trauma Response Team website, fctrt.org. Same. I'm on that same list. Stacy as well. Perfect. Well, thank you, Dr. Stacy Raymond and Bonnie Rumley, LCSW. Thank you, David. We invite you to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Responder Resilience. We're also on Facebook, Responder Wellness Inc., pbsradio.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and our website is respondertv.com. Stay safe, be kind to yourself, take care. <laughs>